to ball with y'all. It is Thursday, and you know that means we've got a full show on tap for you today. Thanks, as always, for joining us here today. Before we begin, just a reminder to like, subscribe, rate, review, download, and share Ball With Y'all with your friends. Don't forget, you can also send your thoughts, your hot takes, your questions using the email in the description, and you can check us out on Instagram at Ball With Y'all Podcast. We are kicking off week 12 here. Before we get into the games, let's jump into our leading storylines from the week so far. First off, we will go into our reaction to the third release of the college football playoff poll. The top seven teams remained the same on Tuesday night. That definitely will not happen this week with number four Ohio State taking on number seven Michigan State. Even still, the rankings were a great omen for the top four teams. In the college football playoff seven-year history, at least three of the top four teams ranked with just three weeks remaining in the college football playoff polling made the playoff every season. Now, Notre Dame and Oklahoma State continue to inch closer to the top four. The Irish and Cowboys are four and five spots away from the playoff, respectively. While Notre Dame will almost certainly finish the season 11-1, I feel like Oklahoma State has a clear path to the playoff right now among the teams that sit on the outside looking in. Oklahoma State, they still have a game against the number 13 Oklahoma on the schedule, plus a potential rematch against the number 11 Baylor Bears in the conference championship game. If they get just a few teams in front of them to lose, those quality wins could propel them into the playoff, especially over a team like Cincinnati with no objective reason to make the playoff as it stands right now. I say all that with a couple of caveats. In the playoff seven-year history, like we talked about earlier, only four teams ranked outside of the top five at this point in the season went on to make the college football playoff. Only four teams in seven years outside the top five. And as far as Notre Dame and Oklahoma State specifically, the lowest ranked team to ever make the playoff at this point in the season was number seven Oklahoma in 2019 and number seven Georgia in 2017. So history isn't exactly on the side of the Fighting Irish nor is it on the side of the Cowboys. But we've seen crazier things happen. 2021 has been a wild year, and I'm sure that we are going to see more of the same even this weekend. But it does not seem all that likely right now as we sit here today. There are some other SEC teams that made the playoff outside of Georgia and Alabama. We saw Ole Miss sitting at number 12. They are sitting in prime position to potentially make a New Year's Six Bowl game. Texas A&M, although they did lose to Ole Miss this past weekend, they only dropped to number 16. Arkansas, after their win against LSU, got up to number 21. And Mississippi State, at number 25, they are the only four-loss program in the college football playoff rankings. And having those teams in the playoff rankings as we sit here today, it sets up a very interesting scenario, in my opinion. What if Alabama makes the SC championship game, which it looks like that's going to happen, and what happens if they lose to Georgia? Most people will look at that and say, well, clearly conventional wisdom would say Alabama will not make the final four. But here's two potential factors to consider in that conversation. There was a very early betting line that came out earlier this week that said that Georgia would just be a three-point favorite against Alabama in the SEC championship game if it was to happen today. Now, I challenge you to go out there and find three other teams that would have remotely as close of odds as Alabama does here. Ohio State, they would be an 11.5 point underdog against Georgia right now. Oregon would be at least a touchdown underdog. 
So if this is about picking the four best teams, it seems that Georgia and Alabama are decidedly better. It seems as though Vegas seems to think that the difference between Alabama and Georgia is only about three points. Now, I know Vegas's opinion doesn't really matter so much here. It doesn't necessarily decide what happens on the field. It doesn't necessarily decide or say who the four best teams are, but just based off of that alone, it seems like we might have an indication here as to what might happen here in a few weeks. And on top of that, here's another factor to consider. If Alabama beats Arkansas this week, they will have four wins over ranked teams this year. Georgia will just have one, Arkansas. Ohio State, they have zero right now. They might have three come season end, but right now only zero for the Buckeyes. Oregon, they have that one against Ohio State. Maybe two come season end if they do beat Utah either here this weekend or in the conference championship game. Cincinnati, maybe eventually one, and even that's a stretch right now. So what's the point? Ultimately speaking, the committee is already angling to get both the Tide and the Bulldogs in the playoff. If Alabama wins out, I see them going up to number one and Georgia dropping to number three, which helps to avoid a rematch in the first round of the playoff. If Georgia narrowly tops Alabama in the SEC championship game, I also wouldn't be surprised if we see a rematch in the Orange Bowl semifinal. The stars are aligning for a finish that could be eerily similar to that of the 2017 season. Another big piece that came out this week, I believe it was either Sunday night, Monday morning, somewhere in that neighborhood, it was announced by the Auburn Tigers that Bo Nix, their quarterback, would be out for the year. It's a massive blow to the Auburn Tigers' late season aspirations. We saw that Nix, he injured his ankle in the third quarter of the Tigers' loss to Mississippi State last week. He was replaced by TJ Finley on Auburn's last possession of the game, and little did we know that that would be a sign of things to come. When was the last time we saw TJ Finley in a large capacity? Many of you might recall that comeback win against Georgia State in September. Now, TJ Finley, he transferred over from LSU this past offseason after getting benched by the Bayou Bengals. On occasion, he's shown flashes of incredible ability, but he's only a sophomore, and he hasn't had a lot of reps to this point. Regardless, he should still be able to sustain the Tigers' offense this Saturday against South Carolina, but he will struggle to deliver against the Alabamas of the world and even in their bowl game against whoever it is whenever that is decided. It's wild to think about, honestly, just how important Bo Nix has been for this team. Is he the best in the world? No, right? That's not, no question. He's not the best quarterback in the world, but he's the engine that drives them. TJ Finley, he can keep the train on the tracks for now, but it won't move nearly as quickly as it once did under Bo Nix. Now on to our games for this week. We bounced back well last week. We went four and four against the spread, six and two straight up, putting us at 32 and 52 against the spread and 54 and 30 straight up. We've got a variety of meaningful games this weekend, even with a number of SEC programs playing some cupcake games. So let's take a look at our eight most notable games from the weekend ahead. First off, we're going to go with Wake Forest. Number 10, Wake Forest. They are visiting the Clemson Tigers, and they are a three and a half point underdog on the road are the Demon Deacons. The over-under is sitting at 55 and a half points. Clemson has dominated the series all time, leading 68, 17, and 1. And they have won the last 12 as well. Wake Forest, they continue to impress us offensively. They have the nation's second best scoring offense at roughly 45 points per game. And Sam Hartman, their quarterback, has torched opposing defenses all year long. So why is Clemson even favored here? Honestly, it doesn't really make a lot of sense on paper. 
Their offense has been atrocious this year. It's been non-existent throughout the year. Of course, with DJ Uyangalale under center, they have not found their rhythm. So maybe it's the defense. Clemson's defense has only given up 18 touchdowns all year, and they're only allowing just more than 15 points per game. Clemson has the nation's third best scoring defense as a result. Now, I don't feel like this requires a ton of analysis. Wake Forest has an offense that can move the ball at will. Clemson does not. Even though Wake Forest doesn't have much of a defense, I still don't see the Tigers coming close to keeping pace with the Demon Deacons here. Here's a good comparison to back that up. Earlier this year, Clemson played Pittsburgh, the nation's fourth best scoring offense, at just around 43.5 points per game. While Clemson's defense did keep Pitt to just 27 points that afternoon, their offense couldn't do enough to make the game competitive. Even if Clemson holds Wake Forest to 27 points here, I would be shocked if they do enough offensively to make it a game. I'll say Wake Forest wins, they cover, and the overhits will go 38-20 Demon Deacons. Moving over to a matchup in the Group of Five, the American Athletic Conference between SMU and Cincinnati, number five Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a 12.5 point favorite, the over-under is sitting at 64.5 points. Cincinnati, they lead the series all-time 4-1, and they have won the last two. Cincinnati is off to its second 10-0 start in program history, and SMU will likely be Cincinnati's toughest test remaining as the Bearcats chase a spot in the playoff. Now, SMU, they have a top-six scoring offense, averaging around 42 points per game, but Cincinnati is not far behind, also sitting in the top 10 in scoring. Unlike the Clemson game, I do see defense deciding this game. Cincinnati has a top-six scoring defense, only allowing around 17 points per game, Throughout the season, Southern Methodist has usually won when it was clicking offensively. Four of their last five wins saw them scoring 41 or more points, and they averaged just 31 points in their two losses on the year. The way I see it, Cincinnati's strong defense likely means that SMU will not be able to put up too many points. What's worse is, SMU has only covered the spread once in their last five road games. Of course, the Bearcats will not struggle much at all to put points on the board with Desmond Ritter under center. At some point, I imagine they'll start playing for those style points that we hear about all the time. This game sets up well for them to do exactly that and win by a sizable margin. I see Cincinnati wins. They cover and the under hits will go 42-17 Bearcats. Moving over to Vaught Hemingway Stadium where the Ole Miss Rebels will be a 38-point favorite hosting the Vanderbilt Commodores. The over-under is sitting at 64 and a half points. Ole Miss leads the series all-time between these two programs, 51, 40, and 2, and they have won the last two. This isn't really about whether Ole Miss will win the game. It's really just about if they will cover or not. Last week, the Rebels, they put up nearly 30 points against a stout Texas A&M defense. Their rush attack complements the passing game well, and it's what causes opposing defenses nightmares. Vanderbilt, they don't really have a defense that can stop anybody, especially Ole Miss, nor do they have an offense that can keep pace. Just last week, Vanderbilt was down 31-3 against Kentucky. While Kentucky does have a good defense, we've seen that talented teams can score on them. Of course, Vanderbilt is just not a talented team at this point in time. Defensively, Ole Miss is very hit or miss. Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not so great, but usually they're good enough. This week certainly doesn't require a great performance from that defense to put this one to bed early. Vanderbilt is 6-2 against the spread in the last eight road games, while Ole Miss is 6-2 against the spread in the last eight games in November. So there really isn't a whole lot we can learn from history here either. It's strange to say it, but I think Vanderbilt can hit the number here. Barely. I'll say Ole Miss wins. 
Vanderbilt does cover, and the under hits. We go 45-9 Rebels. Moving over to Missouri, where they will be hosting the Florida Gators. An 8.5-point favorite on the road are the Gators. The over-under sitting at 69.5 points. The series is tied all-time between these two teams, 5-5, five five, and Florida has won the last two between these two programs. This game has massive implications. The winner will be bowl eligible, and the loser will have to win their season finale to become bowl eligible. Florida's coming off that embarrassing win against Sanford last week, where the defense allowed the most points ever by an SEC school against an FCS program. You all are familiar, Florida has a lot of people doubting them right now. Some people want Dan Mullen fired because they played a close game against Sanford. Other people want him fired just because he was celebrating in the locker room after that close game. I've said it as part of the show here before, I don't see Dan Mullen getting fired this year. I see him coming back to coach the Gators next season. That assumes, of course, they at least win a bowl game, meaning they have to win one of their next two games to even make it to that bowl game. Missouri returned to form against South Carolina last week with the offense reminding us of the sliver of magic that Eli Drinkowitz can bring to the offensive side of the ball. At first, I thought Missouri probably needed this game a little bit more given that they have Arkansas next week, but then I realized that FSU could also be fighting for bowl eligibility next week against Florida as well. So neither of these programs can really afford to lose this game, and they absolutely both want to walk into next week already having a win in hand. This will be a high-scoring affair. Neither team has a good defense. We've talked about it before, how historically bad Missouri has been defensively, and it seems Florida is only getting worse as the season drags on. At some point, the Gators have to bounce back. They just have to, and I see it happening here. I see Florida wins, they cover, and the overhits will go 44-30 Gators. Moving over to Columbia, South Carolina, where the Gamecocks will be hosting the Auburn Tigers, Auburn is a 7.5-point favorite on the road. The over-under is sitting at 44.5 points. Auburn leads the series 10-2-1, and South Carolina won last season. South Carolina's offense hasn't really been the best this year. Their quarterback room has been a revolving door, it feels like, throughout the season, and they haven't been able to run the ball pretty much all year long just like they want to. Last week against a terrible Missouri defense, South Carolina only had 57 rush yards. South Carolina's defense has carried them for the most part as a result, forcing opposing offenses into mistakes early and often. To be competitive here, I would say that they'll need to do the same against TJ Finley. They'll need to force him into some disastrous positions, some mistakes, some tight windows, and make it happen throughout the game. Auburn's offense will look to be pretty run-heavy, I would imagine, here in Finley's first start, but at some point, he'll have to pass. And when that happens, like I said, South Carolina will look to force him into some tight windows. Ultimately, this pick doesn't really come down to which offense I trust more or which rush attack I trust more or which quarterback I trust more. It's none of that. For me, this game is more about the defense. I see Auburn's defense bouncing back here after an abysmal second half last week against Mississippi State. But I do see South Carolina keeping it close and making Finley work to move the ball. I see Auburn wins. South Carolina will cover, and the under hits will go 21-16 Tigers. Moving over to our biggest games of the week. We got Michigan State, number seven Michigan State, visiting the number four Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State is an 18.5 point favorite. The over-under is sitting at 67.5 points. Ohio State, they handily lead the series all-time, 34-15, having won the last five in the series. This game is massive in the Big Ten, with the winner controlling their own destiny moving forward. Michigan State would probably have an easier path if they can win this game in theory. Next week, they play Penn State while Ohio State plays Michigan. So on paper, 
Ohio State is better. They deserve to win this game. But they have underwhelmed against relatively competitive teams all year. Look at Oregon, Penn State, and even Nebraska. Both teams have had relatively strong defenses throughout the year, with both teams ranking in the top 40 in overall scoring defense. Both rush defenses are also pretty strong as well, ranking in the top 20 in rush yards allowed per game. While the rush defense has been pretty good throughout the season, pass defense is not exactly a strong suit for either program. Ohio State ranks 108th in pass defense, while Michigan State ranks dead last, giving up more than 329 yards per game are the Spartans right now. The defenses, they're pretty equal though, so the game really should come down to the offensive side of the ball. Generally speaking, I trust Ohio State's offense more than I trust the Spartans. They do disappoint from time to time, of course, but you never really know when they will disappoint next. I see Ohio State bottling up Kenneth Walker III, probably ending any hope he has for the Heisman Trophy. In the process, they'll win a close one where the Buckeye offense simply cannot do enough to stay comfortable. Ohio State wins, Michigan State will cover, and the under will hit 27-20 Buckeyes. Moving over to the SEC game of the week, we've got Arkansas visiting Alabama. I believe it's number 21 versus number two. Alabama is a 20 and a half point favorite. The over-under is sitting at 56 and a half points. Alabama does lead the series all time, 21 to eight, and they have won the last 13. Both teams are coming off of tight games against LSU in the last couple of weeks. Alabama survived a last second Hail Mary to beat LSU in Tuscaloosa two weeks ago while Arkansas overcame the arrival of Garrett Nussmeyer, a quarterback for the Tigers, beating LSU in overtime 16-13. Arkansas's rush offense continues to carry them this year. They have the nation's sixth best rush attack with more than 230 yards per game. Defensively, Arkansas' strength is its pass defense, where they rank top 20, giving up less than 200 yards per game. Alabama comes in this game just needing one win to advance to the SEC championship game. Alabama's offense has disappeared at times, right? We've seen it before. It hasn't really been incredibly consistent throughout the year, but the defense has been remarkable. They're ranked fifth overall, giving up less than 290 yards per game. The Alabama run defense is especially good, ranking third overall, allowing just 81 and a half yards per game. That's only about three yards per game more than the Georgia defense allows every week. So I don't see Arkansas's rush attack getting much here. That Alabama defense has been led by Will Anderson, who leads the nation in sacks and is toward the top in tackles for loss as well. He has been a terror all season long for opposing offenses. In fact, he's getting some Heisman buzz right now. So Will Anderson has been an incredible asset to the Alabama defensive side of the ball. Speaking of defense, even though Arkansas's defense strength is the passing game, I don't see them giving Bryce Young much trouble on Saturday. I see him kind of coasting through this game just like he has done all year long furthering his case for a seat at the Heisman Ceremony in December. Arkansas will do enough offensively to keep it within the number, but I don't see them getting the win here. Alabama wins, Arkansas will cover, and the overhits will go 38-24, Crimson Tide. Lastly, we will go over to the Pac-12, where the Utah Utes are a 2.5-point favorite at home in Salt Lake City over the number 3 Oregon Ducks. The over-under is sitting at 58.5 points. Oregon leads the series all-time 23-10, having won 6 of the last Eight. This could be a preview of the Pac-12 championship, actually. In fact, as both programs are on track to represent their respective divisions in the month of December, Utah's offense has started clicking as of late, scoring at least 34 points in five straight games. And the leader of that potent Utah attack is sophomore quarterback Cameron Rising, who's thrown for more than 1,700 yards, 14 touchdowns, and two interceptions. 
Plus, the rushing attack has been strong throughout the season as well. Utah's defense is just as impressive, ranking top 35 in total yards allowed per game at just under 345 yards per game. For Oregon, their rush attack has been their core offensively. They're averaging more than 225 yards per game on the ground. I do feel like they've been on the decline a little bit since week two when they beat Ohio State. Of course, they lost to Stanford and so on, but they haven't really impressed me as of late, especially in recent weeks. This game is pretty even if you look at it. You've got two strong rush attacks and two pretty decent defenses. I'll side with the home team here in a narrow yet massive upset. I'll say Utah wins, they cover, and the under hits will go 31-27 Utes. To recap, we are going Wake Forest, Cincinnati, Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, Ohio State, Alabama, and Utah. From start to finish, we have a packed lineup of games this weekend that will definitely rock the college landscape come Sunday. Whatever happens this Saturday, you know that come Monday we'll be here to discuss it all. So enjoy the games this Saturday, have a great weekend, and we'll catch y'all next week.